are we calling it what's up with money because i think i think i think it works it kind of has also this kind of like italian like hey what's up with money hey <laughs> I, I like it it's also very you and i like i like that our first episode here is not actually episode one it is in fact episode four because if George Lucas could gain success in this formula, why can't anyone else, including us? With that, let's get into our marquee topic of episode four, It's Not Your Fault. <laughs> now, I remember when I first told you this, <laughs> that it's because you were like, what's up with my money? And I was like, it's not your fault. And you, you just had this look on your face that was like, what? Yeah, because again, how is it not my fault? Like it is, I am the one who earns the money. I gain the money. I have now the decision of what to do with that money. So how is my financial situation not entirely my fault? That's a good question. That's what most people <laughs> ask me when I, when I lead with that. And I always want people to, I always want to lead with this, that it's not your fault because you operate in a financial context you don't operate completely independent of all of the world. Mm. As much as we've liked to have told people like, no, it's all on you. You got to do it. You got to X, Y, and Z, this strategy, that strategy, save, no lattes, this thing, that thing, and the other. The reality is that for most people that are dealing with any sort of financial anxiety or any type of trying to figure out what should they be doing with their money mm -hmm. is one, they feel like it's their fault and that they feel like they're behind all these other things. What I like to help them with is understanding, like, first, you have to understand that it's not your fault. And the relief that people feel after they get past that initial scratching of their head and confusion is this understanding of, like, oh, I am operating in a particular context. I'm not on my own. Mm -hmm. That, to me, is the first step in relieving financial anxiety and then starting to make good decisions financially. Well, let me ask you this because when you, when you listen to those financial gurus out there, they, they all talk about these steps, these yep. baby steps to take to gain financial dependence, to help get you out of debt, to help start saving, to create a budget, to work towards your retirement. Is that not all entirely on you to do so? Are there not these kind of laid out steps that we've seen people take toward investing and what have you to help with your own financial, financial independence? independence? Yeah, there are things that you have to do in relationship to your own financial situation. The hardest thing is that the entire industry has been built on this idea, and I call it a myth, an illusion that it's entirely on you. Mm. When I look at you, and we'll talk about your situation in particular later on, but when I look at you, I'm like, you are operating in a particular time and place, in a particular way, particular job, particular education, particular family. There's all these other factors that influence what you are able to do financially. Mm -hmm. You weren't born in 1980. Mm -mm. You weren't 30 in 1980. Right. You are you now today in our current economic position with 
certain advantages and disadvantages and all these different things that really have incredible influence on what you can do financially. Well, is that true universally? So like throughout history and, and I'll just, I'll just, you know, when you listen to older generations talk about how they made it, it's all about how, you know, they did it on their own, you know, pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps, you know, didn't get any help. I, I have what I have because of X, Y, and Z. Is that, I mean, is that not true for them? Is that not true for us? Do we not, is that not the same for my generation that because we are not doing those same things that we're not having this financial success that our previous generations have had? And, or is it that they actually didn't, they weren't as self-sufficient as they tout themselves to be. <laughs> probably that. I know. Yeah, that's that's actually probably more the truth of the matter, that no one is actually able to operate independent of a lot of different environmental and social and economic factors. Like it, it literally is impossible. But why we are told that it is your fault has to do a lot with our own context. So it seems like it is on you. Mm -hmm. That's how it feels. Like you just mentioned, like you're the one that earns the money. You're the one that goes and spends it. You have to budget. You have to do X, Y, and Z. The truth of it is a little different. We're not used to looking at and going like, okay, the time and place that I was born has enormous influence on what I'm able to do. The family I was born into has enormous influence on what I am probably going to be and do. Mm -hmm. We don't look at our education level. We don't look at like our career paths and career interests, like these other things that, and we don't look at like what city were you born in actually has enormous impact on what you may or may not want to do for the future. Mm -hmm. And we have the idea of like the American dream and things like that that sort of sit in the background that say, well, you can transcend those things and go and be and get the education, pursue the career path. You can make something of yourself, which is true. But what oftentimes is more true is that these other things of time, place, where you're born, you know, the exact location, the family and things like that actually influence much more what you're going to do and B than we care to admit. Well, let me ask you this because yes, you have no control over those aspects of your life where you're born, who you're born, what the family you're born into, the economic situation you're born into, all that. Is it not, you know, you talk about the American dream and this idea of like you can, you know, if you're, if you, if you're not from here, you can come, you come here and you create something of yourself. Is that, I mean, are you saying that that's, I, I guess for those of out there who are like dreaming of becoming something, you know, you're the idea and what you're told and the examples you're given is that you're, it's persistence. You keep at it. You keep going no matter what's thrown in your way, you know, you know, think and grow rich, right? Like you, you don't. You, you have that mindset no matter what. You have that belief. You have that faith in yourself. 
and you make it happen. Is that not all on you? It is no matter no matter what situation you're born into, is it not up to you to make of yourself something? It is, and it's not. <laughs> this is where this is where I think it gets really it gets really tough. I and love the clarity. Yeah, yeah, it's so <laughs> it's so nice. The the issue has to do with you me, you must understand the financial context that you were born into and understand how that influences what you're able to do and you have to understand your responsibility and that has dramatic impact on what you can and can't do based off of what you are earning and and have available to you i think one of the other key reasons is the idea of in our culture, we've really adopted an individualistic mindset mm. that says you are able to make whatever you want of yourself independent of any other variables. We don't like the idea that there might be things out there that influence what we can do and what we have the ability to do. And there's, you know, there's things of like, why aren't you in the NBA, Ryan? Well, I have zero talent in basketball. I'm also 5'5". Five five, so <laughs> so we're, we're very okay with sort of recognizing those types of limitations to certain career paths. Right. We're not good at recognizing those potential limitations when it comes to other things. But then again, there's part of me that's like, is there even, you know, there's the dreamer in me that's like, why put a ceiling on it? Like, no matter where you're born into, you know, what's wrong with having that dream? You know, I'm five foot five, but if I grew up dreaming of being in the NBA, why not go for it? Why, you know, what's stopping me to try, you know... And, you know, if, if I started as a young and kid and all I did was play basketball and I, you know, like Michael Jordan, I shot a thousand free throws every night and like what, oh, I think it was like 300, I forget the number, but what is stopping me from at least trying to achieve that? Seven footers? <laughs> You're now, not wrong. Well, it, it then, this is where... This is where I think in the individualistic mindset, we've, we tend to move away from two of my favorite words are credibility and competency that you actually know and can perform the job. Sure. <laughs> so if you watch, like I would much rather watch Michael Jordan play basketball than you i'm sorry that's completely fair it'll completely just fair. it'll just be better yeah because what that and i think that's where we have this idea that if we get if we get rid of context then some of those things like credibility competency then cannot be part of the equation and so it's like well why doesn't why don't we let everyone play in the nba oh, yeah it's like well that's a particular game. And we generally, as people, want to see the people that do it the best <laughs> play it. Otherwise, it's horrific. <laughs> it's, yeah. 
it's just a because, bunch of toddlers out there playing, exactly, tossing a ball around. Exactly, and it's and it's not. It doesn't have anything to do with like the human value of the people playing. It has everything to do with this particular game requires these particular things, and these particular people exhibit those. Just like the fact that I want to know that my doctor actually finished medical school. <laughs> like we like as much as we hate to admit it, like these things have right. real real value and real influence. Just the same as when you, we come to finance, it's like no, depending on who you are, where you're at, what you want to do may or may not open up certain financial doors for you. Sure. Now, that, that can be something that's really hard to hear. And this, there's part of me that really wants to be like, don't listen to him. Like, no matter the situation you're in, you can do it. You can achieve it. Go, go for, go for your dreams. Go for your goal. And that's probably because, speaking of when you're born into, I am, as we've talked about, born into the follow your dreams generation. Yep. Like I said, I have had many individuals come with guitars to my grade school to tell me that I can make my dreams come true. And that's again, though, to your point, that individualistic mindset of like, no matter the situation, no matter the context, you can do it. And in nowhere in those songs did it say, but if you're born into a socioeconomic situation where it might not be as applicable, you could have a tougher time. You know, like that's not, it's not part of it. It doesn't sell. It does not sell. It does not sell. But for all, you know, no matter their, your social, your social, socioeconomic, it's a mouth situation. I, I f- there's there's a lot of individuals out there who I feel go through the rigmarole of life, right? They go to school, they get a job, they f- and then by the time they're in the 30s or 40s, they realize, oh, this is now where I am, and it's not the best. Maybe they're not making a lot of money. Maybe they are making a lot of money, but are in a lot of debt, and it, they're just like, what? How did I get here? And their context had a lot to do with it. And them kind of blindly going had a lot to do with it. But for those who kind of wake up and who are like, oh, shoot, I need to make a change. This is my situation. This is my context. What do I do? How do people recognize their Bezos moment, their Bill Gates moment where, you know, they talk about this in the psychology of money. Bill Gates happened to go to high school where they, with the only computer, I think one in, of the in, only computers in the nation, yeah. he, he lucked out in there and him and his friends happened to enjoy computing and they weren't necessarily looking for a career. They just liked it and enjoyed it and capitalized on it. And so how do those today, no matter their age, how do, or their, their context, how do they kind of find that? How do they realize, oh, this is what I should be doing? A lot of the work that I do with people is, one, when we start with understanding that it's not your fault, it can diffuse a lot of the anxiety. And then you can actually start to understand what it is you want to do. <laughs> because oftentimes what happens with, when we say that it's your fault, you end up trying to 
create a different reality than the one you're supposed to. You're trying to create a financial situation that is someone else's Mm. as opposed to your own. So we'll use you for an example. You're a writer. That's a dream of yours. Feels like you've known that for a while. Mm -hmm. And it has its ups and downs. Yes. But you also are positioned here in Los Angeles where we record this with the best opportunity as a writer. 100%. My context is I was born in Los Angeles. My dad was in, is still in radio. And so I was kind of surrounded by this kind of media idea. I, the high school I went to happened to have a media focused program that I applied for and got into and started me on this path of going for a film career. And through that, various, you know, discoveries, learn that writing is where I'm supposed to be. And that's kind of where I've been since. So, if we take you, if I tell you, you need to save 25% of your income every month in order to retire comfortably. No. You're looking at, you're looking at me funny. <laughs> that is a hard no. That is a hard okay. no. Yeah. So that's where financial context and financial advice misses the mark. And that's where oftentimes the industry will tell you, that's what you should do. That's your order of operations. Those are your baby steps. Those are your whatever. Because they're essentially telling you, Ryan, this is your goal. Your goal is to retire a certain way. So we're going to then try and tell you to adjust everything you're doing to fit that vision. Whereas your actual vision is more in line with becoming a very successful writer. Right? It is, yeah. Yeah. So, and you will have more success trying to pursue becoming a successful writer than you will trying to put away 25% for retirement. I mean, because it does, I have, you know, I have read finance books that give you the step-by-step and it really feels like it's not meant for me. Yeah. It's just like, man, I, how am I going to do this? You know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm working towards something. And at the same time, I'm also trying to get financial independence. And, and a lot of times those two things conflict with each other. I'm very lucky to have a partner who has a more stable situation who can help with that. But, but it, when, when my context is that in trying to find financial independence, I struggle because of the the goal I'm trying to achieve. What my, what I know my purpose is, and it's tough. It's very, very tough. I mean, I've had many conversations with you about it. You know, it's, it's, it's a tough go. First of the what's up with money book club, yeah. What's, uh, up with <laughs> the what's up with money book club. We have our first suggestion as yeah. to what we'll be reading this month. Yes. And over 1 million copies have been sold of this book. Amazing. So you know, it's good. Yeah. Yeah. So I was actually telling this to someone else that was like, Hey, you should check out this book. And I'm like, I recommend that as the first book to everybody. It's the psychology of money by Morgan Housel. Yes. Why Now, why this book? This is our first book we're recommending. You just said it's the first book you always recommend. Yeah. Why is this the one that we should be starting with? So there's a lot out there. And so one of the things that I've realized is that, you know, I can't remember how he 
particularly describes it, but we'll hit a couple points of his throughout this month because mm-hmm. each month we have a book that we're going to recommend to everyone. So, but I look at it in ninety-five percent ish of money and finance, personal finance and stuff like that is psych- psychological. Right. It's not actual numbers. Five percent at best is maybe the actual dollars and numbers. And so what he does is he does a good job of sort of diffusing some of like the nonsense that's out there and also helping people understand that like you have to think properly mm-hmm. about money before you start moving mm-hmm. and it's entirely in your head it's entirely psychological and there's good evidence for that there's good facts of just the way money works and so i feel like it's a great starter spot for everyone it's accessible so it's not deep and detailed it's not some wild strategy. He actually has very little strategy in there, which I personally like because I have a hard time with a lot of the strategies that are out there, which is why we're doing this. Right. But I think it's an easy read. It's easy to get into. I think most people could probably pick it up and follow it, or most people feel like finance is this like dark abyss <laughs> that like they have like, <laughs> no idea like okay, what you know what am I supposed to do? Right. So I think he sets the he sets a good foundation and framework that then I hope allows people to then make moves and do things. Right. It was the the first book I believe you recommended me and it's it definitely got me thinking. And it enlightened me also as to kind of you know, he talks a little bit about just the financial situation of today. And not to get too into it right now, we'll get into it later in the month. But uh, it's, it's definitely, like I said, an easy read, easy to digest. I think this is an excellent first month recommendation. The opportunity for success, though, and this is where I think understanding your context, at some point you have to look at it like if you're 60 and you still are trying to write and no <laughs> one's paying you to do it, right. you might need to shift. Right. But for now, it is a noble cause. It is pursuing the thing that will probably give you the best benefit for success long term. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think what we've done is because we've ignored context and because we're operating with old financial information, we're trying to tell you to do certain things that just don't make sense. Because we're operating from a model and a mindset that says these are the things that should be most important to you. And will determine whether or not you're successful or not. And to be quite honest, it will probably be easier for you to find a multiple six-figure job in writing than it will be for you to try and save multiple six figures doing some other job. Right. So that's a contextual thing that we have to reconcile and we have to look at and then plan in and around. Retirement might not be the end-all be-all, because your retirement plan might be residuals from a syndicated TV show that, sure. you know, lives in infamy and you're, you know, it's like, I just get my checks every, every month. <laughs> like yeah. that, that might be a better retirement strategy than putting money in a retirement account for you. Right. But when you are trying to accomplish filling up a retirement account in your current context, it doesn't make sense. And that's where some of the anxiety that's where you feel like, I can't do that. 
I can't accomplish that thing, but people are telling me I should be doing that, but I'm not. That's when the disaster starts to starts to set in. And so what would you say for those out there who, you know, feel financially anxious or like they don't understand or they're depressed about their bank account or what have you? What would you advise them to start doing? Because it sound, doesn't sound like there's necessarily a, a step-by-step thing. This sounds more like a mindset shift. You know, you're, you, you are shifting your thought process from, going, from looking at your budget, if you have a budget, looking at it and thinking, man, what the hell am I supposed to do? To thinking, okay, this is my situation. How do I capitalize on this? The first is really understanding your context. Like, so after you get to this, well, the first is what we've been talking about. It's not your fault. Right. You're operating in a specific place, a time and place that has certain pluses and minuses to it. And it's, it's neutral in my mind. It's not a good or a bad. It, it just is. So most people feel it as a good or a bad. I try and help people understand like, no, it's just, it's just your starting spot. Second is get a real good understanding of your situation, like where you're at and understanding even like budgeting. Like I estimate people I've met with most people's discretionary money might make up five or 10% of their actual budget. But we like to tell people that it's a hundred percent of your budget. Mm. It's like, no, <laughs> like, you know, if you do a simple, like most people like average wage in America, is 60 K. So when you start breaking that down and go, well, 5% goes to your your retirement match at work, 20% goes to taxes, about 10% probably goes to medical expenses, anywhere from 30 to 50% goes to just housing. That's where you live, utilities, bills, all that. Mm-hmm. You, you factor in your transportation, car, insurance, you know, gas, you know, and then a, leaves you like 5%, maybe 10% left for food. Like right. that's... 500 a month for food. Like changing how you buy food is only going to affect your financial situation by like one or 2%. Right. So helping people understand that and going like, no, that's a different mindset than 100% of my spending is discretionary. Mm-hmm. No, a small percentage is because you still have to live somewhere (laughs) like you get and you have to get to work and you like these different things that like because of where we live and things like that most people's financial situation isn't because they're so crazy with their discretionary spending it is something that you have to look at but it's not gonna make or break you right you have to be responsible with what you have you know not maxing out your credit cards but it's not the only you know, that's not the only reason why you are in the situation yeah. that you're in. And, and when you listen to people, they will tell you that essentially 100% of every dollar that you spend is discretionary. That's the mindset that the industry and the gurus and different things are telling people. Why is that? Because it doesn't feel that way. You have to live somewhere, which causes its own expenses. You have to eat, which is its own expenses. Why do they tout this? I really am liking the word tout today. Why do, one. why do they tout this? Uh, thank you. This notion of like 100% of your money is discretionary. Yeah, it's 
it's the old mindset that like you're on your own. Your your decisions that you make with your money are completely independent of any other factors, social, economic, the place you live. You know, if you find a place to live in Los Angeles for fifteen hundred a month, Ooh. call me. <laughs> I'll move in. Yeah, my our one bedroom is almost two grand. Yeah. So it, it yes, you can be responsible within that, but you also have to understand within the broad scale of America, no matter where you live, this kind of ends up being the scenario that most people's money is spent just living. Mm -hmm. So they don't have all this extra money. And then what we've done is we've told them you're a mess because of all the money you spend. And it's like, well, no, you can get yourself in a pickle, but for the, for most people, that's not their situation. And so, but that also is the narrative of like, how the financial industry, how the gurus sort of set up and sell and position financial freedom is that, no, when you start getting a handle on everything you spend, then you'll achieve some sort of financial independence. And it, it might have been that way at one point, but in today's context, that's not really what's going on. Yeah. I, I like what you're saying about and I think, and there, this is obviously the reason I feel why episode four is our starting point because I think understanding your context is the perfect starting point to understanding your financial situation. Yep. I think calling it neutral, I think some people might disagree because if you're born into, <laughs> you know, a family that's making a billion dollars, I think that's a much better jumping off point than if you're at a family struggling making 30K a year. But I think no matter your socioeconomic context, I said it right that time. Good job. Thank you. The understanding that context, having that base layer, that foundation helps you see clearly and understand, okay, if this is where I am, and that's where I want to be, then there are choices I need to start making to help me get there. Yes. Those, and those choices are completely dependent on your context and what that goal, that brass ring you're reaching for is. Should people just kind of like be aware, keep their eye out? For this purpose of like, it's not your fault of like understanding like, the big thing for me there is like we are all operating within a financial context. Yeah. That is not of your own making. But that's really hard for us to like. I think it's really hard because I think that I think it's hard because it you you don't want to feel like you have no agency. And to be like, hey, this isn't your fault. This is happening because it's happening is almost like you almost throw your hands up in the air and you're like, well, what the hell? Like, what do I do? Like, and, and so I think, I think the, the wrapping your mind around, it's not your fault and it's all about your context. It's, it's hard not to get angry, <laughs> you know, because yeah, cause you could look at, you could look at previous generations and be like, you us. 100%. 100%. And you know, if you're born into a situation 
that doesn't have the launch pads that other individuals have, you can't help but feel jealousy, feel contentment, contempt, contempt, contempt. Thank you. Contempt, feel anger about it. Yeah. And, and I think that's why when you were like, when you called it neutral, I'm like, there's going to be people out there who aren't going to agree that it's neutral because the, you know, the, the, those who are descendants of the Vanderbilts are doing still way better than us here in Pasadena. You know, like they just are, they just are. And they're at a young age being taught how to handle their vast wealth, how to keep the wealth going. Whereas now you have a family, a broken family living in South LA who are living hand to mouth and their financial education is get yours while you can. And it's just like, how do you call that neutral? You know, it's, it's, it's so vast yeah, and it's about you having the wherewithal to wake up and read. Like I had a moment where I woke up and realized, oh shoot, I don't like my financial situation. I need to do something to change it, and that's why I started reading books. That's why I picked up Dave Ramsey. That's why I started talking to you. That's why any any information I could get, I soaked it up. A lot of people, whether they're the Vanderbilts or a broken family in South LA, they don't have that, as Oprah calls it, an aha moment. Yep. And I don't know. I feel like calling it neutral is so blasé about the fact that it's just like, it's not neutral. You know, it, it's, 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 you have no control over it. Yeah. But I, I don't know if it's neutral. Well, where I come from it in seeing it as neutral is I tend not to have a lot of affect. <laughs> so I, and I always say facts are friends. They're just, it just is. Um, and for every Vanderbilt type situation you have where in, within two to three generations, you have those people becoming broke. And That's then for true. every, for every, you know, broken situation, you have someone who rises up. Yeah. And, you know, financial context is so important to understanding and trying to compare. This is also where I think it's really important for people to try not to apply strategies from a previous financial context to their current financial context. It just creates problems because you're trying to duplicate a result with completely different variables. <laughs> I so. can see that. I mean, again, that, you know, that's looking at, I, I, I mean, I, I, we, we touched a little bit on uh, the keeping up with the Joneses idea, but it's, 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 it's even goes beyond that. It's just like looking at previous generations and seeing what they did and trying to copy that and realizing that that's not going to work because they're, context like you say completely different from your they were born at a different time to a different family they had different means there was different technology there was less things available to them maybe more things available to them than you have right now and but again it's just, it's about people 
realizing that and waking up to that and trying, you know, like I said, you can get angry about it, but it's about using that anger to try and better your situation. One final segment we like to leave that I like to call Penny for Your Thoughts. This is a financial <laughs> podcast after all. Yes. I thought this was a cute idea. It's you, so cute. <laughs> do you have one final thought that you would like to leave us on? My Probably my closing thought is just really embrace that idea. That it's not your fault. That you are operating in a financial context. And that that context actually will tell you what freedom financially will be for you that it's not some myth out there that it can happen financial freedom might be working a job the same job for the rest of your life it might be having millions of dollars i don't know but my my one thought with it's not your fault is understand your place understand the world you're operating in get help and then move. Get active. Get active, yeah. Get active. Yep. It's it, beautiful. Anything in life requires you to be active. Right. So. Yeah, understand your situation and then be proactive upon it. Yep. Because I guess that's the only, you know, you can understand the context and, and look, at, look at it all day, but it's ultimately up to you to act, to try and, if you don't like the context that you're lived in, that you're living in or that you're born into to try and change it to whatever degree you can. Yep. Do you watch, do you watch Ted Lasso? I love Ted Lasso. Thanks for listening to what's up with money. We'll continue our conversation in the next episode, but until then, please subscribe to rate and review the show. Giving a rating or review helps other people find the show. So if you like what you're hearing and you want others to hear it too, please give us a rating, share us on social media or both. Reviews are also where you can leave us questions. So if you have any financial questions for us, please leave them in the review. We may answer it on the show. We love questions. We'll be back next week to continue our conversation and hopefully get a little bit closer to answering the age-old question, What's, what's up, up with money? money? This is cool. It doesn't make it sense. sense. Spelled, with a, spelled with a C as in the money. You guys get it? C-E-N-T-S. Yeah. Doesn't make sense. It might have gone over some of your heads, but it's okay. We'll explain it in the in the show notes. It's better on when it's written. It is. A, it's better when it's written. <laughs> but, but here we are. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. It works on two, two, two levels. So you sent me uh, an Instagram video yes. the other day. We want so, to talk about it. It doesn't make sense is a segment where we, each time we get together, we talk about some wildly weird, we call it magical social media, strategy uh mm -hmm. so i sent you this video and it's this guy this is the guy that's like so the best thing to do <laughs> already love it the, he's giving me the ultimate answer best thing to do for financial success is just buy 10 rental properties before you're 30. oh was that all i had to do just 10. just 10 rental properties just 10 rental properties <laughs> It is before the, you're 30 before be, you're 30 because because what you can do then is you'll be cash flowing so then mm. you could retire you could then also if you needed to like in 25 years sell a couple of them pay off any remaining you know mortgage notes and then you'll be living free those 10 rental properties will be generating you income for the rest of your life 
It is one of the most, I've seen a lot of crazy things. That is one of the most unfeasible pieces of advice I've, I think I've ever heard. Well, it's, it's one of those things that works really, really well. If you can buy 10 houses <laughs> before you're 30. I, again, so, so I have to, I have to remember, cause, cause like I, you know, I've only ever lived in Los Angeles and where the housing market is so much more expensive than a lot of places in the country. And so there may be places where if you are in your mid twenties and you're starting out and you have a job and you play your, and you, you use your money right, maybe you'll be able to buy a number of rental properties before you hit 30. Yeah, there's there's some there's some possibility of it. One of my favorite people is a guy named Scott Galloway. He's a professor at NYU and he's got some of my favorite stuff, but he mentions most strategies out there are designed for people with money in order to keep money. One yes. Not they're not like Oh yeah, right out of college and you're just getting your first job. This is this is the financial This is plan what you have you. to do. Yeah. Be, also, when you're in your 20s, you're not thinking about that. You're still figuring yourself out. Oh yeah, totally. You know, by the time you get to a place where you're thinking about a house, you know, more likely than not you're with a partner who so you you've been dating for a while, so your 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 thought process has been like, "Hey, I want to find someone I can spend the rest of my life with." And you're trying to figure that out. Wait, who am I? You know, do I even love myself? How the hell can I lo love someone else? You know, if you don't love yourself, how the hell can you love someone else? Can I get an amen? Amen. Hey, thank you, TM RuPaul. But it's it's like how that for someone to come and to tout this this piece of wisdom as if yeah. it is the end all be all, like like it is the best piece of advice. Like this is this is the thing you should do. If you don't do this, you're being an idiot. Like he doesn't say that, but like that's how it kind of comes across. Like this is what you should do to become financially it's secure. It's like nonchalant. It's like, hey, yeah, let's just let's just go to Starbucks and get a coffee. Yeah. Let's just go buy 10 rentals. He makes it sound like it's so easy. Like I can just go to the bank and be like, hey, can I get 10 loans? And yeah, hey, bank, yeah. Like, yeah. I'm 23. I have a... I have a W two job for the first time ever, and mm -hmm. oh, you will you loan me a million dollars? Yeah, exactly. But yeah, and it, it's also interesting too that like the average first time home buyer in the U S. right now is thirty six. Thirty six, yeah. So they're way behind this plan. Way, I mean, they're so far behind. Way behind the plan. So I, I like I I think anyone any plan that involves buying multiple properties, I think. That was that was great. Was it? I think so. I hope that people understood the <laughs> the context. There are there are times this is our first one with like an actual outline. And so I was just like with my I have my note cards here all written down and I'm just like, okay, we're, we're going on this section. And we're, I was, I was telling Sydney today, I was like, I'm, I'm nervous. And she's like, why? <laughs> and I'm like, cause the last time we just sat down and just kind of talked. And now I have like an actual outline with things to talk about. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know. I hope, I hope we touch all the points and that I can navigate it. Well,